Hello and welcome to the Music Breakdown. Today, I'll be telling a story of innovation, perseverance, and triumph. In the tale of how my orchestra, the San Jose Philharmonic, overcame the challenges imposed by COVID-19, aided by a revolutionary new piece of technology. In August 2020, the world was shut down. We were going through a completely new experience with the COVID virus and stay-at-home orders, and it seemed that there was no way for an orchestra to meet, let alone perform. But with time, we discovered a new and incredible software, JackTrip, which would allow us to rehearse and perform as an orchestra from the safety of our own homes. For the next year, we integrated JackTrip into our community, a project which culminated in us being able to defy odds and finally perform online at the end of the year. Today, I'm joined by three very important members of the San Jose Youth Philharmonic community: Shoko Michael, our executive director; Yair Samet. Our Philharmonic Orchestra conductor, and Andrew Forsyth, the JackTrip product manager, who worked tirelessly with us to combine JackTrip into our community. We will be talking about the entire story of how we moved our orchestra online and the highs and lows along the way. Let's go back to the start of COVID. We had to move the orchestra online somehow, but it was all very new to us. Shelko, can you talk a little bit about the difficulties that we had early on? Sure.、Um... The big challenge、uh, to move everyone on Zoom was the size of the Philharmonic. It's you know this season we were well over 115 musicians, and、uh, you know with the latency issues on Zoom,、um, having people play one at a time for three hours with that many people was、um, beyond excruciating. <laughs> so you know、um, we had to find some sort of solution. Uh, another、um, critical issue this year was that,、um, given we were optimistically planning to go on tour, you know, this summer of 2021,、um, we had to、um, find a way for the orchestra to prepare, to prepare for the、uh, challenging rep and the performances they were going to play for international audiences. So that、um, led us to.、Uh, Really look for something, a platform, and we looked at before Jack Trip. We looked at、uh, some others,、um, including、um, Jam Kazam, and、uh, we, what we did at the beginning of the season was、um, uh, distribute an online questionnaire to our musicians,、uh, you know, to find out what kind of equipment they had to help us, you know, test out different platforms. So, did they have? Ethernet cables? Do they have mics, headphones, that sort of thing? And you know, if they were interested in volunteering their time. So、um, based on that、um, information, you know, we got together a group of musicians in the fill who helped us. You know, so we spent many hours, as Yair can attest. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> Too many hours、um, testing out first Jam Kazam, and the problem with that. Platform was that you know it was using the the device you know whatever it was you were using a tablet or laptop or iPhone and the beauty of JackTrip is that you bypass all that you just need to connect to a router and then you use whatever device you're using regardless of operating system <laughs> to、um, in a sense remote control it. On that note, Andrew, I'd love to get your input here. How would you describe JackTrip to a group of laypeople? How does it work, and how's it different from software like Zoom or Skype? 
the main thing about Jack Trip compared to like any other online conferencing platform like Zoom or Google Hangouts or you know Skype in the old days or whatever is all about latency, right? And the problem with those other platforms is that the time it takes between when I make some sound and when my musicians I'm trying to play with hear it is just way too long for them to do anything useful with it, anything musical. Um, it's great for presentations in a business context, but for a musical rehearsal, it's just terrible, right? So what Jacktrip does is it streams the audio as fast as possible over the internet. It does very little in terms of like automatic noise reduction or feedback checking or um, anything like that. And it sends the audio super fast to a hub server uh, which has to be reasonably close to you in space. Like if you're in California, the hub server should also be in California. And then it sends that out to all the people who are connected to that server. And it does it really fast. We hope that it does it in like 25 milliseconds or less. And what that does is it makes it seem as though it's instantaneous. That's like the perceptual threshold between when we notice latency and when we can't notice latency, when it really seems like it's instant. Whereas Zoom or, or Google Meet or whatever, those are gonna add like 300 milliseconds of latency. So like 25 milliseconds versus 300 milliseconds is a really big difference when we're talking about music. So from what I've seen, when more people join a Jacktrip server, the latency issue and stuff like buzzing really tends to go up a lot. So as a team, how do you guys go about countering that? It's not really that it adds latency so much as it is that you need a pretty juiced up computer to actually support a ton of connections. So some of the software that's out there now that does this low latency networking is what we would call peer to peer. So you get two computers and you just connect them directly, which is great for two people. But then when you get three people, each computer needs to be connected to two others, right? So you've doubled the number of connections. You get four people, it's three connections per computer, right? And with a group the size of SJYS, right, we're talking about 50 to 100 musicians at once. Your computer at home just won't support 50 to 100 simultaneous peer-to-peer -peer connections. So the, the real technical brilliance of the Jacktrip Virtual Studio is the hub server. And this is a, a cloud-based server, so it spins up on um, Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure or whatever. It spins up a, a server in the cloud that's really juiced up and it is ready to handle 50 or 100 simultaneous connections, mix them all together and send them back to each client so that each person's device only needs to have one connection to and from. So that's how we're able to scale from you know, maybe 10 people maximum with peer-to-peer -to, -peer to a group like SJYS that wants to all rehearse together simultaneously. Andrew, another thing I'm really curious about, what prompted your team to design Jacktrip? Was it something that came up because people couldn't rehearse together in COVID? Or was it a project that people were working on for a long time before? Could you give us a little history of how the project developed? Yeah, so it actually has a really interesting history. Um, Jacktrip was actually invented like two decades ago by um, a group at Stanford. Um, the, the leader of that group being Chris Chafe. And I, I was a Stanford student and um, took, <laughs> I've mentioned it. I've mentioned it even though I'm wearing the sweater and I told Shoko I wouldn't. 
Um, I was I was a Stanford student uh, who who took classes from Chris Chafe, and he's he's an awesome guy. He's a big thinker. Um, does all this cool music technology. He plays the cello. He plays the cello really well. Um, and he invented this though so that he could play music with um, his musical community that was all over the world, and they would they would play together with with a fair amount of latency, but they would play this really awesome music together, but it was really an academic interest, right? Oh, it's so cool that we can play music together over such long distances. And it, and it had a very niche following. But when COVID hit, what was an academic niche interest suddenly became a necessity for tons of people. And, and immediately, like overnight, it was, everybody was really interested in how we can do this low latency audio collaboration. and. Um, one of the people who was really interested who started looking into Jack Trip was a guy named Mike Dickey. And Mike Dickey, his son is in a boys choir in the, in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And he saw that his son was attending these rehearsals on Zoom, which were just, you know, terrible, right? Like they couldn't really play together. Everyone's on mute. You're sitting for hours, basically just looking at the screen after you've done all your online learning, looking at the screen all day, and you can't really play music. It's just, it's just depressing, right? And so he saw this Jack Trip technology and Mike Dickey knows a lot about cloud computing and cloud server technology. And he basically said, I think I can make a hub server that will support my son's voice choir experience. And he, you know, went into his basement or whatever over a weekend and like crunched this thing out. And it worked and and uh, his son's voice choir got to practice on there and then he said wow it would be really great if more people could use this and um, SJYS was one of those really early adopters that that found out also about this technology and maybe I don't, I don't know Shoko Ayer, if you saw anything about the Ragazzi um, boys choir experience but maybe you saw what they were doing and said hmm maybe we could do that too well, yeah, we heard from one of our conductor who has a choir conductor friend who mentioned it, that there is this jack trip out there. And I remember when I checked it out like right away and, you know, I landed on a page which was looked like, you know, something that only a computer engineer will understand. It's not for us. But I mentioned to Shoko, we started investigating. We contacted um, Shoko, Russ, who was it? Contabile? Russ, Russ Gavin with Stanford. Russ from Martin. Stanford, the yep. band director and a choir who was using, Contabile, who was mm -hmm. using it. So, and you know, it sounded, I remember back then Russ gave us uh, two units. He had a session with him. We were amazed to see that it actually worked. Yeah. You know, after, it was right after this whole trial and error with Jam Kazam, which just failed miserably. And suddenly with Jatrip, within what five minutes right. we were like making Almost all kind crying. of experiments <laughs> yeah. and yeah tears of joy right there so you, you mentioned the hub servers and i want to make sure i also mentioned the devices because you because yeah you also said you got a couple of devices right and that's kind of one of the other innovations that that the jack trip virtual studio has brought to it is that we make these raspberry pi based devices that already know how to connect to the hub servers. So they're like, it's like a tiny computer. It's already got all the software installed and you just plug in headphones, you plug in a microphone and it already knows how to connect to the hub server. So that, those were some of the big technical barriers that were preventing people from using this software before, but 
you know, Mike was able to kind of see that if we could abstract those parts out, then we're just talking about microphones and headphones and, you know, getting connected, getting online with these devices, it would be feasible for a group like SJYS. So when we eventually ended up bringing JackTrip to SJYS, what was the beginning like? Was it smooth? Uh, Yair, <laughs> could you weigh in a little bit here? It was anything but smooth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like whenever a new product hits the market by Apple or any phone or tablet, all the bugs uh, that exist, and it was pretty much the same story with JackTrip. Um, especially, you know, we were the f the first orchestra to use JackTrip because up to that point it was mostly choirs. The next instrumental ensemble was uh, Stanford Band, and suddenly, you know, we are unleashing a hundred over a hundred musicians on JackTrip. So different instruments, right. different requirements. You know, some high register loud instruments or low register or percussion all kind of uh, challenges. And different mic needs, too. So, and that's the thing. In addition to that, there were all kind of, you know, first we thought this microphone will work only to realize, uh, no, that microphone does not work. There was an issue with adapters. There was issue with people using, you know, wrong um, headphones, wireless over ethernet, or all kinds of things. And I'm sure you remember, Kabir, how, <laughs> I mean, all of you. <laughs> we were we, all there. <laughs> yeah, we all went through this experiment. You know, we ended up sometimes losing, I don't know, 70% of rehearsal time uh, just because of noise that we didn't quite know where it's coming from, what's causing it, who is to blame. We always look to, to someone to blame, <laughs> right? That's what we do in orchestras. So, yeah, it was extremely challenging. The interesting thing is that uh, later on we added our chamber orchestra, which is obviously smaller, it's half the size, so even less. With them, it went like a beauty because we started with them already with all the right equipment. We already knew what's, you know, how to make things work after we paid our dues, blood and sweat. And it was beautiful. I mean, from the first rehearsal, we were actually able to rehearse, to play, you know, without too much noise, too much other problems. I remember when, um... Russ, Russ Gavin, who is um, really an um, instrumental member of the JackTrip Foundation and now JackTrip Labs, the company. Um, I remember when he told us that there was a youth orchestra of 80 musicians and they were getting 80 devices to have everyone connect, like like just jumping into the deep end, both feet first, basically. Actually, and we ordered 120. <laughs> Ordered 120 devices yes. right off the bat. Just like right. had a great experience with two. Let's get 120 devices, get everybody online. What could go wrong, right? And I remember thinking, wow, nobody's done that before. I wonder what that's going to be like. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. You know, we jumped into something that we just didn't know. And, you know, this is related to this whole thing. I look at it, this whole COVID, like, you know, it's a natural disaster that hit the world. But the difference is like if you have an earthquake, so, you know, it happens, we see the damage, we know there might be some aftershocks, but you kind of, you already know what you're dealing with. Right. COVID was anything but, it kept evolving, super confusing, the scientific community had no idea what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So, and we as, you know, an arts organization, what do we do now? Suddenly everything stops. But, you know, with all the pain that went through finally getting Jack Trip to work well for us, um, it gave us hope, you know. It oh, went. It, it we went from total despair 
yep. in October at the start of our season to now we have something to work on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was you know, a so, game changer. Yeah. So even though we had issues, um, we had something, you know, and we knew we could get to our goal. It just took work and patience and we did it. And it was a great sense of accomplishment, you know, when we are now um, for almost two full sets able to have rehearsals, regular rehearsals from beginning to end. So uh, in that point, uh, Yair, I suppose that there were a lot of changes that you had to go through as a conductor in order to make this work because obviously an online orchestra is drastically different from an in-person orchestra. So um, I don't know, things like the repertoire, your own conducting style. Can you uh, walk us through some of that? You know, with the repertoire, I made plan B, plan C, plan D, because as we were working on Jack Trip, which enabled everyone to participate, so I didn't really have to change pieces in that respect, but we kept hoping for in-person rehearsals. And if we can have in-person, which we did a few, if you remember, so we couldn't have everyone, not everyone was willing to participate. So there were many added challenges. So, you know, I had to think, okay, what do we do in case that we can have only, I don't know, 40 people doing a live stream in a concert hall, something like that. So I prepared other plans, but I was happy that thanks to Jatrup, we were actually able to keep the repertoire. Uh, one thing that did cause some changes was the fact that we ended up with no concerts. So, you know, with every new set that came, uh, we were hoping maybe this time we will be able to do a live performance. And it ended up, no, we couldn't. And that meant I had to start moving things around. One priority I had in mind was all the soloists who won competitions. And, you know, I'm like, we can't let, like, disappoint them. They earned it. We want to make it happen. So that's another thing we were, I kept moving, you know, some soloists from set one to set two, now to set three. Um, but this was really, I would say, the biggest change that I ended up actually doing. There was the tour rep, obviously, because we realized we can't go on tour, which I just took the whole rep for that set and just moved it to next year. Um, as far as conducting, yeah, that was a huge challenge because, you know, first, um, Jackroup was pretty much created to resolve the audio latency issue um, but it wasn't really meant to help visual latency so when i'm conducting supposedly an orchestra online each member sees what i'm doing at slightly different time so and you know it can happen and it does happen also in reality like in-person rehearsals because some people interpret a little differently what they see from the conductor but obviously online it was a whole new ball game. I mean, I felt at points as if I'm relearning my profession. Uh, then there was the issue with the metronome. So Andrew told me, yeah, you can use a metronome. Russ told me I am using a metronome. I'm like, hallelujah, beautiful. But then, you know, I'm extremely great when it comes to high-tech things. I'm so <laughs> great. <laughs> so, you know, it was a wild journey just uh, with Andrew's patience and help to get me to hook up a mixer and hook up the metronome and make it work without echo and all kind of beasts humming in the background, all kind of things. And I thought, great, this will solve the problem. 
but then it turns out not quite because I think this is one of the, of the biggest effects on our musicians. There is really, to put it bluntly, no substitute to playing in real time, live, one next to the other, where you can see each other, you can hear each other, you can smell each other, whatever. There is no substitute for it. And, you know, as much as we succeeded, and I think what we've done on Jatrip was remarkable, what we did achieve. Is it optimal? Is it problem-solved? No. But, as Shokal mentioned, it saved the day. It brought us back to life, pretty much. Yair, you mentioned how we had that rather strange journey, and even with the introduction of the metronome, mm -hmm. there were still problems we ended up encountering. Like you talked earlier about buzzing, how we ended up losing rehearsal time. But over the last few months, we've definitely made a lot of progress there. Mm -hmm. And Shoko, I know you were at the center of that in terms of double-checking and fixing everyone's problems. So can you talk to us about that entire process? So um, from the beginning, we had to have things organized. You know, when we got the devices, they all looked exactly the same. And um, we had to, you know, number them at, for the, you know, at, a, at the start and then, you know, um, check them out to people. And so we have a we had a system. We provided um, certain things, but you know, given the significant capital expense of purchasing the units, uh, we did have to rely on the members to get some of the accessories. You know, so the mic and the headphones, um, and uh, that was the big problem. So we weren't sure initially what to get first. You know, we were primarily worried about. Um, requiring our members to spend a lot of money. So uh, we went for something that was cheap and we paid for the price for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, eventually, you know, after um, a little trial and error, we realized, you know, thanks to Andrew, he um, steered us to something that worked really well. So we had to do a bit of a U-turn at the, you know, going into it, um, you know, about three weeks in. And um, so that transition did cause a bit of a disruption and problem because not everybody came on board, you know. So we had yeah. to, as you might remember, we had to follow up. So, you know, there were things like that. Um, our volunteer musicians were fantastic, you know. Um, they thought Jack Trip was fascinating and were willing to spend, you know, give us their free time to help manage um, office hours, you know, for troubleshooting. And Andrew, too, he uh, helped us out. And uh, that all helped to get us to the point, you know. And I think we did it fairly well. I mean, I think by the beginning of the second set, we were almost there. And for most of second set, I think we were there. And third. We do still have minor problems here and there, but um, it's now very easily managed with um, breakout rooms and Zoom and quick troubleshooting. Yeah, the logistics of getting, uh, you know, a, a, nearly a hundred um, high school students to all have microphones that are all plugged into devices that are compatible and Ethernet cables to routers that are all plugged in and registered and nobody's making crazy noises into their microphone and nobody's kicked their device and it's not <laughs> making like a ton of noise. This is like a huge logistical undertaking. and. Um, we learned a ton 
by both both SJYS, me personally, and Jack Trip making the stuff, um, learned a ton from from the experience that that you all went through. I mean, first of all, we learned definitely don't buy any microphones that have eighth inch to quarter inch adapters because it's like it's like it works nine times out of ten but if it doesn't work one time out of ten and it makes a terrible noise and you give it to 100 musicians with microphones you've got 10 people making a terrible noise into the room right it 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 can't be 90 percent good it can't even be 95 percent good it's got to be 100 percent good or else it tanks the whole rehearsal and things like teaching Yair how to use that mixer. Like we, we, rec we recommend that mixer now to other directors who want to do things like Yair. They want to play the metronome in or, or play a piano in or play a track into the room to people to play along to, you know. We learned all that stuff kind of on the job with, with SJYS. We just figured it out as we went along. And just wanted to mention a few things about, you know, you asked me about the conducting, if it changed. You know, initially I didn't even conduct, I was just too busy, you know, trying to solve noise, although I didn't know how. And secondly, I realized there is the latency, so I didn't even try it. And that's one of the reasons why when we wanted to record a piece, if you remember Corellia by Sibelius, yeah. I purposely chose that piece because it has pretty much one tempo all the way to the end, then just a little ritenuto and that's it. So I thought it'll be easy. I just start the orchestra. And hopefully, you know, they'll be able to carry it on throughout to the end. And then we tried maybe with the metronome, the last four bars, we thought of all kinds of ways how to make it happen. At one point, I tried conducting it, and to my huge surprise, it actually worked even better than just, you know, play with the metronome. So that was a huge surprise to me. Still, we were not able to put the recording together because, you know, playing dotted rhythms, even in life, is something that especially young musicians need some training. It's a little tricky. When you try it online with latency and all kinds of other issues, it suddenly became impossible. And that's why I was so blown away in the most positive way when we were able to live stream the second set where we played a lot of rip with a lot of tempo changes. Another issue, you know, that I want to mention was uh, balance, and that remains actually an issue to this day, because, you know, even if musicians play softer or louder, in many cases, we're still depending on the uh, volume switch or the input in the server. I have no way, if I'm rehearsing an orchestra, like in person, I can hear it. I can tell you and you need to be softer. If it's online, I, you know, out of 20 violins, how can I possibly know who is louder so that can be a challenge it is a challenge everyone's cello or violin or whatever they're all reasonably the same between musicians right like one violin's just about as loud as the next violin it may be minor differences or whatever but with the microphones and how they're plugged in and how much power is to them and whether your volume's up or down all or on mute whatever there's suddenly like all this variation between all these musicians. Yeah. And, and the thing that strikes me is it can be very hard to know when to say you need to play louder or play softer versus you need to turn your input gain up or down, right? Because we know that playing louder or softer and we know dynamics is a thing in the real world, but when you've got this added element of also a volume knob, 
Well, now it's thrown into question whether it's really your playing or the volume or the microphone, get closer to it or farther away from it or, or what. And that, that remains a, a real challenge on the platform, just adding this extra question mark in terms of is everybody doing the way uh, what they should? Are we controlling all the variables so that we can get a real read on how everyone's playing? Yeah, another thing has to do with cues because, you know, when I... If I give a cue when we're on Zoom, it's just a gesture to into the air. Because, you know, in person, I look at the musician, whether it's a second clarinet or third trombone, I look at the person and they know this is for me. When I do it, you know, just to a screen, a hundred people see the same cue, so who is it for? So that can be a problem. You know, intelligent musicians who roughly know the music will understand that must be me because I supposed to come in now. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting mix. And I think, you know, in a way, it taught us all so much. We've learned things we never even thought about. So Yair, you brought up the point of how we eventually and successfully got to holding a live streamed rehearsal mm -hmm. at the end of the second set. But the build-up to that rehearsal was anything but easy, I suppose. <laughs> so, um, Shoko, can you tell us a little bit about just how you were able to bring attention to the performance to the entire community and get it online? Well, uh, bring it to the attention of um, our families. We, uh, we didn't really want to publicize it to everyone, but... Um, just because, you know, this was the first time we were doing it. It was pretty much an experiment. It was pretty risky. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know what to expect. So, um, sure, we I sent announcements uh, to our uh, parents to prepare them uh, for the event and gave them a link to the uh, live stream um, YouTube uh, channel. And... Um, you know, we also um, prepared them by making sure, you know, that they did everything possible not to um, slow down the internet for the night of the performance <laughs> by having too many devices on. Nobody's online. allowed to watch Netflix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> while, while we're doing not the performance. Not during that window yeah. of time, right, as you might recall. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I think, you know, it went really well, and I'm so glad, you know, that um, we had something for the families. It yeah, was also, enjoyed. by the way, another challenge because Shoko became a movie director. <laughs> so, you know, she had to get a mixer and interface yes. and take Andrew off his vacation to <laughs> help a minute before we started. It was a whole yeah, crisis. Yeah, there were some last-minute glitches there. I do remember getting a pretty high-importance um, <laughs> phone call from Shoko while I was attending a birthday party. <laughs> and we worked it out and made sure to get the live stream online. I mean, the, the other thing was, I think originally you were, you were planning on doing it on Zoom and mm -hmm. like having the parents join the Zoom and Correct. getting the audio into it and all this stuff. And I think I had sort of said, you know, YouTube live streaming is, is maybe a better performance stage for this. And, and it sounds like now we've done actually multiple open rehearsals and it's worked pretty well. Yeah, you were right. Cool. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> and we're going to do it again soon in a couple of weeks. Two awesome. of them. Two of them, yeah. So Yair, walk us through how an open rehearsal differs from typical concerts we did in the past. You know, in a concert, as they say, the show, the show must go on. You cannot stop. In an open rehearsal, you may have to stop. 
because of the latency, because of, you know, if we played music, which, you know, have tempo changes, that it's almost like gambling. Will it work? Who knows? Mm-hmm. We can try our best, but still, it's not in our full control. And that's why we decided to call it an open rehearsal, just to take away this, you know, expectation <laughs> that everything will be totally refined and perfect. Things might happen. We might hear a screaming child or a barking dog in the background, which we've had. That's another thing, by the way, you know, using Jatrip, even with the musicians, they kind of forget that every noise they make, we can hear it. That's why, you know, previous times when we tried to just record something, in many of the tracks that we received, we heard just what we're hearing now. Suddenly the phone rings. Shoko, you're demonstrating Shoko, the point perfectly. Thanks for I'll have my bringing cats to meow. life. Yeah, I'll have my meow words. in the background here. <laughs> but that's uh, the thing. So, you know, another cool thing about these open rehearsals, I think, we actually show the parents, we bring them into our laboratory and we show them this is how it's happening. This is what happens in rehearsals. And this is how we go about it. This is how we fix it. So it's kind of, you know, it's an educational experience for the parents. They're not just sitting and, you know, watching like a movie, a done, finalized product, but it's kind of in the making, which I think is authentic. It's really cool. It feels almost like a metaphor for the entire Jack Trip experience. It was unfamiliar and at first a little bit rough and ready, and it was an entirely new method of doing something we were all quite familiar with. But it was a truly incredible experience and such a wonderful and fitting way to conclude a truly unique year. I could not imagine what this year would have looked like if uh, we didn't have Jackfrey, period. I mean, you know, everyone is affected by this whole situation as it is. Life is not as it used to be. There are so many things that changed. And even that thing, music, that always, you know, cheers us up and just lifts our spirits, suddenly we lose that as well would have been really depressing so yeah it was literally i cannot describe it i mean to this day whenever i think about jack trip and what it literally saved us it's definitely played a huge role in our community but what about after we go back to in person what role would jack trip play in our community then we thought about absolutely that um, you know we can do chamber small chamber groups um, rehearsals, we can do sectionals where we don't have to schlep everyone, drive, parking, etc. Rent, venue for rehearsal, we can do it from home. Um, if I would like to coach a section and save rehearsal time of the full orchestra, that's another way uh, we can use it. And who knows, when we saw now how the open rehearsals worked so beautifully, we might consider doing some performances as well in the future using Jacktrip. And what about Jacktrip itself? Andrew, in this year, obviously the product has come so far, but what lies for Jacktrip in the future? What other updates do you see your team making to it? The thing that we're definitely recognizing full in the face is that like the SJYS initial experience, jumping in with 80 members all onto the same server and rehearsing that way and stuff, that's probably not how people will want to rehearse. I mean, We're all so eager to get back in person and get back into that room. I mean, it's such a special place, right? But like I said, all around the edges of our musical experience are all these opportunities to use some sort of online conferencing, basically, to 
enable us to meet together when we weren't able to before, enable us to do things just like quickly without the scheduling, without the logistics, the rehearsal space, all this stuff. Um, so we're looking at all sorts of maybe smaller group experiences with Jack Trip, the sectional rehearsals, right? What, what would it be like if you could just meet with your section because you didn't quite measure up in rehearsal, right? Yeah. And yeah, you said meet, you know, meet meet on Jack Trip after <laughs> tomorrow this. Tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Tomorrow at <laughs> 8 o'clock, get online and practice that part and you come back to the next, you know, in-person rehearsal with that part down, right? Um, seems like in the past that would have been really people just practicing on their own at home and then assuming that when they get back together, that'll mean that they play as a section together that part better. But it would be even better if they could meet online and share notes together and play it and come back as a section and have the part nailed. Also, like small group or one-on-one -on -one lessons are facilitated much better on Jack Trip than something like Zoom, whether it be voice lessons, instrument lessons, those kind of things your teacher hearing you and being able to give real-time feedback, play along with you at the same time, say, okay, play it like this and hear you simultaneously. It's really transformative in terms of our ability to de deliver these experiences online instead of exclusively in person. Um, and then I think, I think it'll go to all sorts of interesting places. Honestly, one of the things I think is a really promising use case is actually podcasting. And, and it's worth mentioning, we're recording this right now on Jack Trip, and it allows us to, to talk in a more realistic, normal way. And like, you know, a few minutes ago, we all laughed at Shoko about her cell phone, and we, and we all heard everybody laugh simultaneously, right? Um, it's just something that I think brings a more human experience to any sort of online audio collaboration. And there's a lot of work to be done in this area to really like fulfill that promise. Jack Trip's a wonderful software and it's an incredible project and it's helped us so much this year. Without it, I don't know where we would be right now. I can't wait to see what comes next and where it goes. Thank you so much, uh, Shoko, Yair, and Andrew for joining me today in telling the Jack Trip story. And I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You of did fun. a great job with this and yes. thanks for doing it. Yes. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Well done. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Jack Trip, I've included a link in the episode description. If you want to listen to some of our actual open rehearsal performances, I've included links to those below. I'll see you all in the next episode. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>